title of the message today is The Journey of Worship. The Journey of Worship. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Verse 3. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search, for the, go search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may too come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went on their way. And, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. Verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Lord, help us as we study, please. Three things I'd like to talk to you about. The journey of worship that we need to genuflect in reverence. And we need to bring gems to offer. The journey of worship, what it means to genuflect in reference and bringing gems to offer. This story is a story that is inspiring, yet it is also convicting to the people of Israel. Inspiring that people made extraordinary effort to come see the Christ child. Anybody identified this morning? Extraordinary effort was made on your part to make sure that you could plan well. And to have all the presents opened at the right time, breakfast prepared, lunch in the afternoon before you got here. You wanted to make sure that your family could experience what worship means on Christmas. And so you prepared a lot. And though your effort was great, and for it, I am very grateful. It was nothing like these men. They came from, we believe, the region of Babylon and Persia. And when they saw this star in the sky, this new constellation maybe I'm not quite sure we're not we're not sure what it was we just knew it was a new light and being people that we believe were akin to the same kind of folks we find we find in the book of Daniel where Daniel was a a a counselor to three or four kings and being a Jew he was not native to the kings for which he was a counselor he was a captive brought in Yet he was the wisest of all the counselors and and thereby kind of engendered some envy from the others. The king would listen to him more than they'd listen to his native counselors. There was a time when he was thrown into a lion's den because people didn't like him so much. He was too effective. And these men who had conspired to do away with him were probably in the same order as the magi we understand here. Folks that were counselors, rulers, people who had influence politically and religiously, had a degree of wealth, 
represented a king and had some, some real power and influence in their world. We also believe that they were astrologers, looking at the stars to help the stars, to help them understand what was supposed to happen through the stars. They believed the stars spoke to them. They were uh, Old Testament horoscope people. Now, now, just on this point, the stars only tell the glory of God. They don't tell you nothing else. They only speak of his glory. They don't say anything else. That's what the Bible says. The heavens declare his glory. That's what they do. They don't tell you who you're supposed to marry. They don't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Be very, very careful. You Sagittarius, you. Be very, very careful now. I don't have time. I don't have time to get into all that, but, but, but it ain't Bible. It's not Bible. You may think it's cultural. It may be something all your friends do and you just want to join along. Be careful. Be careful. They saw this star. They said, what is that? And they probably began to search throughout their literature and figure out, was there anything from a, a, a previous generation that might tell us something about this new thing that appeared in the sky? Because there has never been anything new that appeared in the sky. Some people say it was Halley's Comet. That wasn't new. That's been going around the universe every 84 years for centuries. That ain't new. So they would know what that is. They had no idea what this was. Some people believed it was Mars and Venus coming together. Eh, that ain't true either. I can, I can say that with emphatic understanding and conviction. Because it says the star appeared later over the house. Any, any, any body in the sky, any, <laughs> not person, any space body in the sky, any celestial thing, is so far away, you can't determine a GPS on the planet upon which it's shining. That doesn't happen. The only way you can do that is if it's close enough where it appears over this house. Not that house. This house. Stars don't do that. We call those meteors, and they crash into the earth. <laughs> it wasn't Mars and Venus. Somehow in every 2,000 years coming together in alignment. Everybody's trying to figure out a natural way to explain this. God just did it. Amen. And they were trying to figure it out, and, and they couldn't. They couldn't until probably, and we're not quite sure, and we're all, I'm conjecturing here, but I think this is probably the only way they could determine exactly what it was, is that the Israelites had been there for a long period of time and that they were taken captive in 586 B.C., right around the beginning of the 6th century, all the way down, it was about 609, all the way to 586, taken captive into Babylon, and they had to establish a new order of worship while they were there because they could no, no longer offer sacrifice because sacrifices were prescribed only in Jerusalem. So now all of them, everybody, the whole city was ransacked, everybody was brought to Babylon. They said, how are we going to worship God accurately? And they established these teaching centers that substituted for what they would normally do whenever they came to the, the temple. And this is where we get in the New Testament, where we don't have in the Old Testament, synagogues. 
these teaching centers. And they established these places all around the kingdom of Babylon so the Jewish people could still understand who God was and hear something redemptively that, that applied to the purpose of their being, be encouraged in, even in the midst of their captivity. Well, the Israelites, many of them came back. They had some, some, some deportations from Babylon and returned to Israel, to Judah, the land of Judah and Jerusalem. But the teaching centers were still around. And the language to which the Old Testament, in which the Old Testament was written, Hebrew, was now translated into Greek. And everybody understood what it was, the Septuagint. So the Babylonians could get it just as well as the Jews. And as they began, I think, we're not quite sure, but as they began to look through these documents, somebody probably found Numbers chapter 24, verse 7, where a guy named Balaam is prophesying. Balaam is a a prophet, he's not a Jewish prophet, and he's not a right prophet, but he's a prophet. I don't have time. (laughs) And when he prophesies, he's prophesying in hopes, meaning of, of Moab, a king of Moab, against the Israelites. The king of Moab has paid him, please prophesy against these people because I don't think any natural warfare will get them. So I need some spiritual things that can really inhibit their progress because they want to come into my land and do some stuff, and I don't want that. So prophesy against them. And in the midst of trying to prophesy, and prophesy and in the midst of prophesying against them, he says this. He blesses instead of prophesying against. And one thing he says is a star will rise in Judah, and a scepter of authority will come forth from him. A star in Judah. Well, Judah, Judah's Israel. We think they saw that, and they made a journey without any guarantee. And they brought gold and frankincense. And I mean, they brought things fitting for a person whose birth was announced by a star. Now, the queen of Sheba in Solomon's day, Solomon was the third king of Israel. He was David's son, had unparalleled peace, Wealth and wisdom. And the Queen of Sheba was so impressed. And Queen of Sheba means the south. We believe she was from Ethiopia. She came up to see Solomon one day just to say hey. Just, just, just to say hello. She just wanted an audience with him. She didn't have any political alignment. She wasn't interested in military protection. She just heard about this man's wisdom. She said, there can't be anybody on the planet like what I'm hearing. I got to go see And when she showed up, she brought 100 talents of gold with her. Now, a talent wasn't a unit by which you measured somebody's ability to sing. It was a unit of measure that represented 100 pounds of anything. And so she brought 100, 100 pounds of gold. And our dollars representing somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 mil. But we don't use gold as our standard of currency. Nothing's based on it. They used it as their standard, which would have given greater value. Ours is basically for jewelry. It's, it's, it's a little bit industrial. In fact, all your cell phones have a little bit in it. You're thinking, ooh, <laughs> how do I get that out of there? No, it won't work. <laughs> so it's becoming an industrial metal, but it's primarily cosmetic. And so it, it, it doesn't have near as much value for us as it would for them. So maybe you can double it or maybe triple it. In any case, if it's just on the basis of our value, 15 million is a lot of money to say, hey, 
because you always brought a gift commensurate with the king's rule, with his glory, with his majesty, with his influence. What do you bring? Now, Solomon was important, but he wasn't announced by a star. What do you bring a king who has been announced by a star? These fellas packed up a lot of camels. They came in a caravan. And they said, this one we have to go see. And they made that long journey probably on the order of six to 800 miles. Took them maybe three or four months to get here. (coughs) Journey to worship. And some of you have made a considerable journey in your life. But it's important that you do the right thing when you get to the right spot. Journeying is important, but you better do the right thing when you get to the right spot. They journeyed, made the effort. And by the time they got there, it had been almost two years. And we know that because Herod ascertained the time at which the star had appeared. And this was after the Magi got there. Herod was the king of, of Israel. And he ascertained the time the star was pe- appeared and where the child was to be born. And on the basis of when the star appeared... He said, let me go and kill all the babies in Bethlehem because he thought this child was a rival to his kingdom. Let me go kill all the babies in Bethlehem, the male children that are two years old and under. So it took the the Magi at least two years, or two years, let's say 18 months to figure it out and two years to get there. So Jesus, as wonderful as the the beautiful creches are in the nativity scenes, with the Magi there, you know, baby in the manger, I'm not mad at anybody. Listen, if you're going to produce something like that that inspires worship, you you, you could put the Pope in there if you want for me. I do not care. I really don't. But that's not the way it happened in Scripture. Jesus was a toddler when these magi showed up. He was running around super active. Mary was constantly just on her P's and Q's trying to figure out how in the world am I going to restrain this child. You never will. He's God. And the Magi show up, but as they begin to journey to to, to Israel, the star disappears. Now, where would people who don't know anything about the people of Israel, where would they naturally go in order to find a king? Capital city. (coughs) Must be. That's where kings sit, and if this is a king, he's got to be in a kingly line, so he must be born in Jerusalem. So without the star being there for a little bit, they head to Jerusalem. And they get there and they say, hey, we've come to worship the king of the Jews. Everybody in Jerusalem says, what? Who? What are you you talking about? I have what? Yeah, we saw a star when we were in the east and we've come to worship him. They thought everybody knew. Surely if they knew, they thought everybody in Jerusalem, this is why I say, It's kind of a rebuke to the people who should know, but do not know. And it's the mercy of God that even though his people didn't get it, they finally got it. But they got it through means that kind of shamed him in that he was, he's our Messiah. And we had to have people who don't even identify with him tell us he's born. How did we miss it? And so they begin to look through all their stuff and say, this king, where is he to be born? If he's not here, where is he supposed to be? And that's, that's when 
the, the, the leaders and scribes of Israel begin to search. Oh, in Bethlehem. That's where he's supposed to be. And everybody says, okay, well, let's go to Bethlehem. And all of a sudden, the Magi go, and they got a word from Herod, tell me when you get there so I can come back and worship. He's lying, but he's told them that. And so they go, and the star which they had seen before reappears over the house. And they are so happy. Why? When you journey for three months, and you've already not found him, thinking that he should be in the spot where you're going. Anybody tried to find God, and it's taken a little bit longer than you thought? You went here, and, well, he, not so, well, no. Then you went there, and oh, that's, a, uh, and you're looking, and you're looking, and you're looking. You're trying to find the right spot. I hope today we've helped you. And you did, they did not, not, most of the people who are here are here because you, you love us, and you're a part of us, and you understand who we are. But some of you just came in for the weekend, and you got drunk here. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm sorry I'm not exactly what you expected. And I'm sorry we can't produce what you had hoped. And I'm sorry you aren't enjoying eggnog right now. But there is a hope that goes beyond anything that's in the natural that you need to begin to grasp and that you've been searching for a long time. You don't even know how much you've been searching. And you've been looking in the wrong spots. But today, something is happening. You may not, may not have come to the best spot. There are other churches that do it better than us. But you come to a right spot. You can find him here. Boy, they were so happy. We come 800 miles in three months. And folk, when we, when we came, didn't even know who he was. We thought we had blown it. Why did we make this journey? Were we wrong? And all of a sudden, the star reappears. They are so happy, they don't know what to do. Their journey has been worth it. And today, make your journey worth it. The star appears over the house. I don't even know what that is. I don't know. How does a star appear over a house? Is it a burning ball that's small? Because stars like our earth, a million of them fit in our sun. A million of our earths, that wouldn't work over a house. How does a star, I don't know how that works. But whatever it was, there it was. And they went to, to Bethlehem. And they're journeying, they're happy. And they look at the star. And it, it, it they can't, there's this juxtaposition going on. Because they're looking at the star and they're looking at the neighborhood. <laughs> they're look, they, <laughs> the one who's been announced by a star lives in a townhouse? <laughs> what the... How, how, you got to be, no palace, no mansion, a, a condo, he's in a, he's in a condo, but the star, he's a, so they show up with this caravan of stuff, caravan of stuff, and they ring the doorbell, remember? The only way they got to this house was the star. So they don't know who's on the inside. And they, 
They think they're at the right house. They have no other reason to believe not, but they don't know. So they ring the doorbell. And, and Joseph comes at the door. They're looking at him. He's got carpenter's hands. Rough. He's a blue-collar guy. They're looking at his dress. We've come to worship um, a king. Do, do you know anything about a child being born somewhere in the neighborhood of two years ago that is king of the Jews? Maybe we got the wrong house. Maybe we're just in, in the neighborhood. And Joseph's saying, looking at them in royal garbs and looking at the caravan and stuff. Come in, come in, come on in now, come on. You got the right house, baby, you got the right house. You have no idea what I've been through with this little human being right here. No idea. If you have time, I'll sit down and tell you, but you got the right house. I love him, but he's been my... Come in, and they see this little toddler running around. And they genuflect in reverence. Genuflect means to bow. Mary and Joseph are blown away because not one Jewish leader has ever done this. The only way this child is getting respect for the first time in his life other than his mother and father are from a foreign people. They bow. And I mean, it's, when they bow, it's not one of these little... It is on the ground at a two-year-old. We're not quite sure how many wise men there were. Even though the, the manger scenes around reflect three. It only reflects three because it was frankincense, myrrh, and gold. And so they kind of apply one gift to each. It may have been just, just two. It might have been five. We don't know. But it was enough to make an impact on Mary and Joseph, that's for sure. We don't know that Jesus ever remembered. Probably did. He was God. <laughs> There's just certain things he could do we can't. See, bowed in worship. When you come to the right spot, make sure you get in the right position. Don't come teate face to face. I got some things I'd like to discuss with you, God. I don't understand. If you are all that, why in the world does bad stuff happen on the planet? Why'd you let this happen to me? I got some other questions. This person seemed to die a little quicker than they should have. They had a full life ahead of them. Why? Don't tell you, I'll tell you him. He is him. You are you. You are not him. I'm telling you, don't do it. Now, you want your questions answered? Put them behind your bow. When you get to glory, all those questions that you think are most important will automatically be unimportant when you see the sacrifice from the nail prints in his hands and the hole in his feet and the imprinted inside from the spear that was jabbed in. And all the questions you have will melt away because you will be so grateful that he sacrificed himself for you. That was the most important thing. They bowed in worship. Please posture yourself correctly during this holiday season. 
to make Christmas much more merrier. That wasn't good English, but it'll work because I can't go back. <laughs> much merrier. And lastly, they brought gems, <laughs> gold, frankincense, and myrrh. <clears throat> and each of these had some, some meaning in Scripture. Though I don't think the Babylonians or the Persians, whoever these people represented, had any idea what the Old Testament required be done with the things that were brought and how God wanted them to be implemented in his service of worship. But gold represented the nature of God. Every one of these things represented something. Gold represented the nature of God. And it's the only element on the planet that has no natural corrosive uh, uh, opponent to it, something that can come and dissolve it or, or erode it. Gold is, is that which can only be eroded by a combination of sulfuric acid and nitric acid. Put those two together, it'll dissolve. But that is done by human hands, not by natural. And when we talk about the character of God, it is that which is incorruptible. It can't be stained. It's the best thing on the planet that represents who he is. This is why Solomon overlaid the entire temple that he built for God with gold. The entire inside of the temple. When you walked into Solomon's temple, gold wallpaper, gold tile, gold paint on the ceilings, gold on the pillars, everything was gold. Because when you walked in, he wanted people to experience the pressure, the, the, the presence of God and the pressure to be able to make sure you respond well when you are in it. They brought gold and a lot, a lot. They brought frankincense, which was the, the spice that was to be used for the oil, in, put in the oil that was the anointing oil for the priest in Exodus 34. So there was anointing oil, I think it's Exodus 34, there was anointing oil that needed to be given to the priest. And that mixture of anointing oil, which became a perfume, was not to be used anyplace else. And the anointing fragrance that they used for incense, when they walked into the, the, the Holy of Holies, into the, the temple, and the, the priest lit the incense, also had frankincense in, it, frankincense in it. And it was that which was not to be duplicated in any other setting. You couldn't buy it at Nordstrom's. Couldn't, only there. So that when the priest walked out from presenting incense to God, which represented prayer, coming out from his presence, he had a certain smell. When you come out from the presence of God, there ought to be a certain smell about you that people can't find anyplace else. Distinct. It can't be duplicated in Hindu. can't be duplicated in Islam. It can't be duplicated in any other religion. It comes straight from the throne. You ought to smell a certain way. Paul talks about it in the Corinthians. We have the aroma of life to life. There's something about us that should be giving off something regularly. And myrrh represented that, was, that which was also incorporated in the idea of worship. These three things, the, the frankincense and myrrh, were those which were the most expensive spices in the Middle East, and gold was the most precious metal, all given to a two-year-old. Now why, as I close? Well, he deserved it, number one. 
Sometimes you just, you just need to give because he deserves your money. You don't want me to talk about money on Christmas? You spent it all for Christmas. <laughs> you thought it was important enough to celebrate in a certain way. Y'all let me talk about it a little bit. You just need to give it because he deserves it. They didn't ask, what you going to do with what we give? Now, hold on. We're accountable here. I'm just letting you know that you need to give with no strength attached whenever you give. Don't try to control that which you give. We send out a report every year about what we do with stuff. We are accountable here. But make sure you give with the right heart. But there was a practical reason. In the middle of the night, after the match, I didn't go back. And, and Herod got hot. I mean, he was mad because they didn't report back to him where the Messiah was. He said, I want you to go and I want you to kill every baby in, in Bethlehem. Two years, eight, two years, every male baby in Bethlehem that is two years old and under. And in the surrounding region as well. When that edict was given, God told Joseph in the middle of the night through an angel, get up now, take the boy out because there are people who are seeking to kill him. So in the middle of the night, this man who had just given up his business in Nazareth, his, his carpentry business, and, and now probably had a foothold for business in Bethlehem, and now was asked in the middle of the night to get up and take his boy and this woman away. He's now had his career destroyed twice by this child. Twice. All of his earning opportunity was gone. And now God told him, you have to go to a people where you... To whom, you don't even know the language. You got to go to Egypt. I didn't know this was in the plan. I didn't know. I mean, I still would have said yes, but it would have been, I didn't know it was Egypt. I don't know nobody in Egypt. Are you kidding? Egypt. He goes down to Egypt. He didn't have a green car. He didn't have a work permit. But he's got about 10 large. God provides. It's going to cost you to serve Jesus. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you everything. Your reputation. Mary was considered less than all her life. Joseph was considered less than that he married a woman that everybody perceived had a baby by another man. It's going to cost you your reputation. It's going to cost you something in your career because you make decisions based on kingdom, not occupation. It's going to cost you. But God remembers and he will provide. Let's learn lessons from these magi. Make it a very, very Merry Christmas. By journeying to worship. Making sure we get in the right posture when we get there. And don't come empty-handed. Come ready to give something to the king who has saved your life.